Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MACD Career Conversations podcast, where we talk to career people about their careers. My name is David Driver, and with me today is Matthew Purdy. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Good to finally connect with you, and uh, I'm a big fan of this show, so it's, it's pretty cool to be on it. Here we go. I got my first fan on the show. <laughs> so there's no, uh, no surprises I can throw at you. You know what to expect, which is always great. Um, I tried to study some impossible pr- uh, trivia, but I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I think I found something you may not know. We'll see. Um, so I guess just for uh, the first question, just introduce yourself, just talking about where you're currently working, all the uh, ventures you're currently heading up and uh, what are your main duties at those places. Sure. So I got a lot of things on the go, sort of, uh, you know, can't sit still, but uh, day job, definitely full-time gig at Red River College. I'm an employment advisor there. been there for uh, over a year and a half now. So into the groove, you know, we finally feel settled in and, and into the routines and stuff there. Uh, in addition to that, I do some, some contract work with University of Manitoba, University of Winnipeg, teaching career prep, you know, job search, resume building classes, things like that. Uh, sort of evening and, and weekend work. And then in my other free time, or if I have some more free time, then I, yeah, I, I run a little career coaching business on the side, Foresight Career Coaching, just sort of through a, a spontaneous, well, random series of events, which maybe we'll get into. Um, it's been a labor of love and and it's just been a great creative outlet where I can help more people, you know, with their careers, doing the work I love and, you know, maybe got a little bit of practice in now. So yeah, that's, that's me. Excellent. I think I should have asked you where you don't work. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> that might've been a better question. So I guess we'll get to all that. Cause I already have a whole bunch of questions just from that one little intro, but I guess sure. we'll start at the beginning. So uh, Matthew, where were you born? Yeah, I was born in Winnipeg um, health sciences center, I believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Winnipeg boy, born and raised, spent all of my my school years here, got into, um, well, maybe we'll get into this later as well, but yeah, I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, born in Winnipeg, <laughs> love the city. Um, I eventually left. I, I, I did spread my wings a little bit, so I do feel, although I was born here in Winnipeg, I'm a bit of a bit of an international, you know, globetrotter as well, and, and got some international experience. Um, basically, the story goes like this, you know, when I was in high school, things were going pretty smoothly, and things were lining up, I thought, you know, this is going to be pretty easy, I'll go on to university, and everything will just work itself out. But as most university, you know, students can can attest to, uh, that doesn't always happen. So I, I really didn't know what to do with my life and, and with work. I took university one because that's what all the mature adults were telling me to do. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I listened. And then after, after a year of that, I said, you know what, I'm still, still not ready uh, to commit to anything. Didn't know what I wanted to do for work. So I ended up dropping out, um, left the university program and bought a one-way ticket to the other side of the world. Yeah. Packed my bags. <laughs> <laughs> just all of a sudden you just went and left? Um, not all of a sudden. I mean, it, it, again, these random series of events um, sort of influenced that decision. So I was, I was working a, you know, part-time job at a movie theater, just evenings <laughs> and weekends to go to school. And this, this friend of mine told me about this course she had taken called Teach and Travel. And I was mm. like, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> That's all it took. So, uh, 
Basically, yeah. I took the course. Three months later, I was sending out applications. I knew I wanted to go to Southeast Asia, so I, that was sort of my my target, um, but didn't have a real country in mind. And then just connected with this one person in Jakarta, in Indonesia. They offered me a job, and I I bought a ticket and flew out. So wow, yeah, that's how I ended up over there. <laughs> so I guess just thinking about it, like going through high school or entering university, did you have an idea? Of what you wanted to do as a profession or were you still just figuring it out at that point yeah man i I had lots of ideas you know (laughs) everything from from you know marine biologist which is so ironic living in like landlocked prairie you know manitoba (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i liked sort of design and and engineering and architecture i thought maybe i could give that a go um and then i even thought something in the world of sports i i loved Mm -hmm. playing and I, i played high school sports you know, quite, quite a bit. Um, so I thought maybe something to do with sports, uh, after watching Jerry Maguire, I, I could have sworn I was going to be an agent. <laughs> wow, what an influential um, movie that was. Wow. Show me the money. Man. We were, we were that close. <laughs> yeah. So I had lots of ideas, but nothing really sort of grabbed my attention long enough. I just wasn't ready to be honest. I wasn't ready to, to, to dive into a degree right out of high school. Yeah. And, when all the signs and 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 grown-ups were telling me that that was the thing to do, I I, I found it hard. And when you went to university, you, was it just like you couldn't find something that had your interest? Was it like the style of learning wasn't for you? Was it like a combination of the two? And was it a hard decision to reach to, uh, you know, pause your studies? Yeah, yeah, to all of that. I mean. I took a, a pretty, you know, broad course load. Just you know, you get your English, you get your math, and you get all these other baseline courses. Um, hoping something would sort of pique my interest. That didn't happen. Um, I remember walking into like an intro to biology class with 300 students, and just the the, the professor coming in, throwing on a movie like a, a DVD or something, and leaving the room. And I was just like, really? That that's how this is going to go? So I I dropped that class pretty quick. Um, <laughs> And then to, 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 to say, you know, this isn't right at this time was hard, especially to, to tell, yeah, to tell my parents and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and make that decision was definitely a hard one, but and I did uh, it. <laughs> yeah. And the decision to leave Winnipeg, because that's something I know is very difficult for a lot of people to leave where they were born and where mm-hmm. they grew up. Did that seem right to you or were you, did you feel at the time you were taking a huge risk or what was your feelings about that it seems like you were excited about going overseas yeah i mean definitely there was the excitement there but at, at the time the decision was i'm just going to go do this one year contract i'll teach for a year mm-hmm. i'll i'll you know find myself or i'll travel and take a year off and hopefully that'll clear my head and i'll come back refocus ready to yeah. take another stab at this after that first year abroad I wasn't any really, I wasn't any closer to, to figuring out what I wanted to do. I was offered another teaching contract and, and, and that sort of cycle just repeated itself again and again and again. I mean, long story short, I ended up living over there for about 10 years. Um, what? Yeah. 10 yeah. years. I, I left in 2003 um, and I, I came back in 2012. Um, so almost wow. 10 years I was, I was over there. Yeah, lot lots happened. Obviously, at the beginning, it was uh, you know it was more sort of just like work a little bit in order to travel and go yeah. to the beach and have fun and stuff. But uh, over time, I, I mean, I grew my career over there, and and I started working at uh, at 
different schools and sort of working my way up over there. And so it became more serious. You know, I grew up as a, as a human, um, mm-hmm. life change, got into relationships, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so looking back, I mean, it's a, it's a big part of my life and it definitely shaped who I am now, but, uh, had no idea going into it, you know, how it was going to play out. Okay. I'm just thinking like, yeah, like a few years, like I, I've heard of some people, yeah, teaching abroad and, you know, they, they gain experience and it's a good opportunity for them, but eventually, you know, it's either homesickness or just like, you know, it eventually just wears on them. Right. Because it's a whole thing to go and live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 10 years seems like you've, you've established some roots. You, <laughs> am I wrong in saying that? It seems like you established yourself over there. So what was the decision then ultimately after 10 years? Cause I'm sure at that point you were thinking, is this forever? Am I going to be here forever? Or maybe for the, the last few years of your time there, you were thinking maybe it's time to go back. Mm-hmm. And what was sort of like the, the departure from that phase of your life? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I eventually did grow up a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it, there, there definitely was that moment of like, okay, is, is this it? Like, is, is this mm. what I'm going to do now? I've been teaching for, you know, almost a decade and, um, you know, living a good life over there. And, and is this it now? Um, and what ended up changing my mind or whatever was, was I, I met someone, you know, I fell in love and got oh. married and, and all that fun stuff. And so, you know, when, when we started future planning uh, for our lives and stuff, we said, okay, well, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, you know, have a family and settle down and everything, maybe we should go back to Canada. Plus my parents were, you know, getting to the, <laughs> getting to that stage where it's like, it's time to come home now. <laughs> um, so that was it. I mean, the ability to come back and, and rebuild life in Canada, mm-hmm. which sounded easy, but it certainly wasn't. And where was, uh, where was she from? She's from Indonesia. Yeah. So you yeah. said, you think this place is cool. Let's check out Winnipeg, Manitoba. That's what you told her. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. She bought it. Hook line, <laughs> hook line and sinker. She bought it. <laughs> um, no, we did. We came home, uh, on, on what, for one summer, we came home for about four mm. weeks and sort of showed her around and stuff and said, you know, this is what it's like. So, um, <laughs> you, brought, you brought her in the summer. It's very disingenuous of you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A little trick, but, uh, no, I mean, it, it was a big move and, and, uh, you know, your point, your question earlier about putting down roots, like obviously those still are there and, and all my in-laws and, and that side of the family are still there. So we, uh, we stay connected and try to get back every, every couple of years, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Winnipeg, it, it was, it was fun to rediscover mm, Winnipeg okay. and, and, and reconnect with, with the city I grew up in. Yeah. So what types of things were you teaching overseas? Was it just, uh, like English topics or was it anything beyond that? Yeah, definitely. That's, that was the core. Um, I started off at a private language school teaching conversational English, you know, grammar and vocab, stuff like that. Um, and then the second sort of half of my time there, I worked at an international school teaching junior high and high school students, um, basically um, exam prep. So they were getting ready for the TOEFL or the IELTS exam and um, getting them ready for that and for university um, English entrance exams. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it helped me personally to brush up on all of my, you know, um, grammar and, and uh, <laughs> effective writing and all that kind of stuff, um, yeah. which it's funny because now when I'm like working on someone's resume and I'm like correcting verb tenses and stuff and I'm like, hmm, this is actually kind of useful. Takes me back. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you come back, did that whole experience then inspire you to be sort of in a teaching profession or what was your idea when you came back to Winnipeg? Did you at that point kind of know what you wanted to do as a career or was your first thought, I'm going to go back and finish that degree that I left so many years ago? Uh, what was yeah. sort of like your, your thinking when you came back? Yeah, good question. So um, I really had no idea what I wanted to do when I got back. So now, you know, 10 years later, I still haven't figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did eventually go back to, to the U of M and, and finish my degree there. I had actually started chipping away at it while I was abroad, just to be oh. a distance ed and stuff like that. So by the time I got home, I had one course left to do. Um, which I, you know, did in person. And I, I can tell you by the time, you know, finishing my degree in my thirties, um, I was much more prepared for it and just able to wrap my head around things. And I did better yeah. at school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's funny how that all worked out, but in, in terms of work, no, I, I was, I was really no clearer in terms of, of what I wanted to do. I sort of used or, or continued on the similar path. I was looking at you know, youth serving organizations and, and uh, community organizations that, that worked with youth and young adults, things like that. I explored maybe some positions um, working with the international community and, and newcomers to Canada because I, I had that experience and stuff. But yeah, it took me like for, for about 12 months, honestly, just to resettle, reconnect, um, readjust to, yeah. to life back home. And for your uh, then girlfriend, I suppose, uh, what was her transition like? Did she find her feet pretty quickly or was there a lot of effort to then not only establish yourself, but to also like help her out in this new place, yeah. this other part of the world? We got, we got married uh, two years before we came home. Okay. So I, I was bringing a wife back. Yeah. Um, Let the and... record show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she, she found work way before I did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really within probably in about three, four months, she yep. she had found work um, and was, you know, settling in probably faster than I was. Um, <laughs> She's showing you how it's done in your own hometown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Credit to her for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we definitely went through that, that, that climate, uh, not the climate, the uh, culture shock phase together. I mean, her, you know, moving to a new country for the first time and me being re reintroduced to, mm -hmm. uh, to the culture that I left for so long. Yeah. And what was your degree at the U of M in? What did you eventually end up getting? Oh, you're going to make me answer that. <laughs> no, oh, I, it's stricken. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, th I just think it's funny because yeah, I mean, I, I'm one of those people who went to school for one thing and yeah. you know, I'm working in a completely different industry. So, uh, yeah, what got a bachelor of arts degree, majored in geography, yeah. minored in philosophy. Ooh, that's a good one. How's that for a combination? Did you have any idea? Like, did you have any thought at all? Like, I'm going to apply this to uh to a career, or that was just like just sort of closing the door on that chapter. Yeah, the geography was something I, I liked in high school, and and sort of has started down that path at the beginning of my university days in university. Um, so I thought I'll just finish that. When I came back, I, I really started to enjoy the philosophy side of it more. Just, mm -hmm. I knew I was never really going to, you know, pursue it too seriously and become a psychologist or something like that. Um, but I just, I just liked those classes, the debates, the, you know, uh, defending your opinions, never yeah. having a right answer to anything. Just let's just debate <laughs> this <laughs> all class. Yeah. 
Cool. I mean, so yeah. I'm thinking, so what is your first established job when you came back? Like, what was the first job that you felt like this could be the start of, uh, you know, my time here, um, mm-hmm. starting to get the roots back down? What was like the first like major position that you got? Yeah. So I probably had two or three just, just term and like contract positions over those first 12 months. Um, so my first real job was as a career coach. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a good story to go with that one. So because my wife was new to Canada, you know, we got all this, all this literature about uh, going to organizations that support newcomers and their, and their transitions. So for those, for a couple of weeks, she was um, attending classes downtown at Manitoba Stark. And, you know, as a, as a, as a good husband, I uh, accompanied her. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, 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 uh, go to university in the morning and then I'd come home and we'd get on the bus and we'd go down to Manitoba start. She would do her classes in the afternoon. I would wait in the lobby for her to finish and then we'd come home. Right. Yeah. Um, and so over those three weeks, um, you know, I just sat in the lobby, uh, of this, of this organization. And obviously I wasn't there for classes. Yep. But, you know, when you sit in someone's lobby for that long, they, they sort of like get curious, like, what is this guy doing here? And so even, <laughs> so eventually the staff like would come up to me and they'd be like, you know, what are you, I had my laptop, I was working on assignments and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, what are you working on? Like, um, and so just over those three weeks, I got, I got to know some of the folks there and got to know what the organization was about. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking like, I could do this, you know? I had, I had been teaching English. I had been working with the international community, uh, you know, all the facilitation stuff I really liked. And I was like, Hmm, this is really interesting, you know? And so it just, the timing worked out. They, they happened to post a position not long after, after my wife had completed her courses and I applied and yeah, was, uh, was fortunate to get offered a position there. Wow. That's how it all started. I'm just trying to think, would you ever recommend a client or someone else do that? Find a place you want to work and just sit in the lobby forever until they offer you a job. I love it. I, I, I often I joke about that. Yeah. Yeah. I say we'll that's call, the uh, most creative job search strategy I've ever used. We'll call that the Purdy from now on with trademark nice. it. That sounds good. Nice. So you're a career coach at Manitoba Star. What did that entail? It was just uh, meeting uh, new people to Manitoba and helping them, uh, get, you know, through themselves on their two feet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was hired at a really good time. They, uh, were growing at the time. They heard a bunch of great, you know, young professionals. We all sort of started our career at the same time. Um, they were training us. So they put us through the career development practitioner certificate program offered through the university of Winnipeg. And it was just fantastic timing. We got to learn, the theory from all of these really experienced, you know, accomplished professionals and instructors in the city and, uh, and then go apply it day after day, um, you know, with, with clients. And so the, the perfect setting and, and, um, routine was go, you know, learn a theory, learn a topic and then go practice it. Um, so our days were, were, you know, pretty, uh, pretty full of, uh, facilitating presentations, job search prep, everything from yeah, job search resumes, cover letters, interviews, all the all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, meeting with clients, doing one on ones, helping them reestablish and and grow their careers here in Canada. Yeah, yeah. 
So you've got a sense of what this industry is really like. <laughs> you get the whole yeah. gamut. You kind of see everything that's involved with it. And yeah, I mean, not just from an employment perspective, but I mean, the whole wraparound supports from, from, from a newcomer's perspective and in, in settlement and language and, and housing and, uh, yeah. and cultural um, awareness and, and then the employment piece. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel your experience overseas really helped you in that position? Or was that just something that, because I mean, not everything is relatable. Uh, you know, every person's different, mm -hmm. every situation's different, but I imagine going through that process and what you're saying twice in some ways, you went overseas for a decade, had to get settled, came back and had to get settled. I don't know how much that experience really helps in that scenario. I don't know if you uh, can comment on that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I could certainly relate to the situation they were in, um, understand all of the all of the stressors that they were experiencing in their lives um, and how employment could really help alleviate a lot of the other you know challenges that they mm -hmm. were wrestling with, whether it was finding a home or, um, you know, getting a car or, or whatever else to really help them, you know, feel comfortable in this new city in this new culture this new country um, a job was really the key to, to so much of that and so being able to tell my story and how i was a newcomer in a in a in a new country for a long time um i got i got buy-in from clients they they trusted what i had to say because you know i had i had walked in that path uh, yeah years ago yeah, yeah. You didn't just dip in your toe. You went cannonball right in. So <laughs> you definitely have that experience. So that's why, yeah, yeah, that's very fascinating. That definitely would help out, I would imagine. So. Absolutely. Um, so how long did that position uh, last for until your next position? Yeah, so uh, last about four and a half years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, four and a half years there. Um, we, had a, we Like I said, we had a really great team of all just young professionals sort of establishing ourselves in, in the career development world. Um, very similar times, um, learned a ton from each other there. Uh, we had a, a, just a really, really awesome team. So, and, and to be honest, a really awesome uh, leadership team as well. Um, you know, the, the executive director and sort of, uh, you know, woman behind Manitoba start that got it all started was, was so, um, willing to share and, and just an incredible, you know, voice for us to, to follow. So, uh, really appreciative of all, of all those opportunities. Yeah, and your uh, your next position was uh, was this the Y the YMCA? Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So after after Manitoba start, I, I moved on to to the YMCA. Um, another good story there, actually. So, um, <laughs> did you pull another so Purdy? The, what happened? <laughs> I didn't. No, no. I, so the job I ended up getting was was not the job I had originally applied for. Mm, okay. um, but what had happened was uh, they had they were hiring for uh, a, a director of newcomer services position, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I've been working at Manitoba Start, and maybe this is an opportunity for me to take on some leadership opportunities and stuff. So I, I threw in an application for that um, and went and did the interview, um, and ultimately it came down to me and, and one other candidate, um, and the the position was offered to to the other candidate which was uh, you know in hindsight definitely the right position he did a great job there um but not long after um i was told i was on the unsuccessful candidate for that job about two weeks later i got a call saying you know we've got this other position that's certainly become available director of employment services like would would you be interested in that one wow um 
And I said, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's right up my alley. Um, And like I said, look, (laughs) looking back, (laughs) it was absolutely the right decision because we, we both thrived in our respective roles and, and we were good friends about it afterwards too. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And the reason why I know you worked at the Y is because uh, my first exposure to you was at the Let's Get to Work conference. Uh, I forget exactly what year it was. I think it was Mm. 2017. You gave a presentation about the entrepreneur program that they had there that you were running uh, part of. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, that is right. Yeah. The self employment program. Yeah. And I remember that presentation being so fascinating. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about. Uh, what you did there in that position in that role, because that that presentation was really fascinating in terms of it, it's even a different flavor of career services because it is entrepreneurship. I think something that we don't talk about too much mm-hmm. in this field, but I don't know if you uh, just want to describe a little bit about um, your role in that position. Yeah, sure. So that position was was primarily responsible for managing that self-employment program, which is a real gem in the city. I mean, not many people knew about it back then. Um, and even to, to, to this day, I don't know how many people know about it or how popular it is, but um, basically we provided um, self-employment training for individuals who were looking to start their own business. Now, it, we had some unique eligibility criteria. So basically we were focused on supporting um, in EI recipients. Mm-hmm. So if people had lost their job for whatever reason and they were on EI and did not want to go back to the world of work, but instead wanted to create their own job and start a business, we would provide training, financial support, and ongoing coaching and mentorship for a full 52 weeks, um, which is an incredible, incredible asset to any new entrepreneur. So yeah, over, over the three or so years that I, that I worked there, we, we, we helped start over 200 businesses. Um, wow. Some of the most, you know, unique uh, ideas I, I, I think I've, I've, I've seen in a long time and, and just to see people's, you know, reaction afterwards and, and to, to get back on their feet and just the level of pride that they had in, in their business and the way they were earning their, their income now was, was really, really fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember that presentation so vividly. Just It was set mm. up in such a particular way where, I mean, you presented some information and then you actually had some representatives uh, come and talk about their experience right. and just saying how important it was to them and all that. So, um, And that's another question that I did have for you because even a few years after that, you had another presentation <laughs> at the Let's Get the Work conference. And this one was about uh, LinkedIn profiles or mm-hmm. LinkedIn in general, right? And my question for you is because I feel that when I, I remember these presentations because uh, I, you definitely are very good at facilitating at workshops. I always enjoyed attending your, mm. uh, your breakout sessions at those uh, seminars. So my question for you is, since it seems like that's a big part of what you do now is workshops, facilitation, those types of things. What's your methodology there? How do you approach creating a workshop or creating like a presentation like that? Do you try and find a topic that, you know, not everyone knows about and you try and shine a light on it? Do you try and tackle a topic that, you know, is a common topic like resumes or job searching, but in a different way? It seems like you have a really good knack for unraveling some ideas and unpacking and deconstructing things for people that you know, they m- once thought maybe they understood like I did. I thought I understood LinkedIn until I took your presentation. I, I found out I know nothing. 
about LinkedIn. I'm missing oh. so many pieces. I'm not doing nearly enough as I should. Just things like that. So uh, what's your approach to creating and facilitating those types of things? Wow. Um, well, first of all, thank you for that, for the, that feedback. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, that it's, it's landing well with you. It's resonating with you and, and, um, yeah, there's value in those for you. I don't know if I've ever given much thought to it. I sort of just sit down and do it, but I, I, I realize it's not, it's not something, you know, that, that, that just happened, um, presenting and speaking and facilitating for as long as I can remember probably over 20 years now. I mean, it, I think maybe it, it looks a little easier than it is. Um, but that just comes from practice and, you know, being comfortable, um, on stage and in front of a group of people. And really just one of the first things I'll do when I sit down to develop a presentation is just research the heck out of the topic. The only way that I can get up in front of a, a crowd or an audience and speak for whatever, half hour, an hour is if I know the subject matter inside out, frontwards, backwards, you know, upside down. Um, because I think that if I follow a script too closely or I memorize lines, I'm going to get flustered. I'm going to, I'm going to trip up and it's not going to go smoothly. But if I know the subject matter inside out, then I can sort of control the dialogue. And I, I like having those, you know, spontaneous uh, moments with the audience or, you know, letting, letting the presentation sort of drive itself and, and chart its own course. Yes, I have a rough outline of what I'd like it to look like and, and what that flow will be, but I'm very open to, you know, going with the flow or, or stepping out of the script mm -hmm. uh, for a little bit. Over the years, I, I guess I've probably taken a less is more approach. You know, um, I know when I'm talking and when I'm writing, I tend to give a lot of information and a lot of detail, <laughs> but I really try to pull back on on slides and on presentations and things like that. And yeah. actually just facilitate instead of, you know, reading off a slide, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I'm kind of the same way as well when I'm presenting. Like I'm definitely like I have to just go off the top of my head. Like I can't read from if I make notes or anything, like I can't follow them too closely. I'm exactly yeah. the same way. So my next question for you is uh so when did foresight start and why did foresight start? Yeah, well, I mean, running uh, an entrepreneurship program for a couple of years, I, I sort of got the itch, you know. <laughs> I had been around all of these people and and seen them start businesses and 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 frankly learned a ton about starting a small business. I I guess I had I just liked the challenge, you mm -hmm. know. I I was looking at all of these uh, these resources and and sort of information that we were presenting in our program, and I thought, hmm, like maybe one day, maybe one day I I could do this. Um, and then, you know, after I had I had moved on from Manitoba Start, I, I still had people reaching out to me for for help with their with their job search. And at first, it was just friends and family, and and that was fine. Like, mm. you know, I can can do those anytime. But it was then it started to grow, and and there were more and more people. And so I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. You know, it, it's it's never really been about the money. It's, it's just been more about doing more of the work I love and and sharing more of this information with people who need it. I, I can remember the day uh, my wife and I were at Thermia um, sitting, you know, sitting in, in the eucalyptus uh, steam room. And I sort of just leaned over and I said, I think I'm going to start a business. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, just yeah. really quietly. <laughs> what an endorsement for Thermia there. Realize your dreams. There you go. 
I'm wondering if there was any surprises you encountered or did you feel pretty prepared going into that whole experience? No, I mean, I mean, starting a business, I was terrified. I, I oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm the type of person who, like I said, I, I'll research the heck out of a subject matter before I present it. And the same went with business. I, I usually just throw myself into research. So I spent a lot of time, months and months and months just doing that, researching how to register a business name and, and how to build a website and, and what sort of services and pricing and blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, so I probably did it slower than other people, but that was fine. That was my pace. It, it probably took me a good year, year and a half to, to fully get all the pieces in place. And I guess the confidence grew definitely. I think as those first couple of clients started reaching out and you go through your processes and they start getting jobs, you go, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a huge confidence boost. And I, and I think the, the, the one that sort of uh, sticks out one of the most, one of the, the, the best accomplishments uh, over the last little bit for me has been, I had a, a, somebody reach out to me um, from abroad who was, was looking to you know, find work in Canada. And we all know how challenging that can be, um, mm -hmm. but, but he, he believed in the process and, and he put in the work and in less than 12 months, he, he had an offer from an employer here. So yeah, yeah, that, that was a huge win for, for him and just a little good confidence boost for me. <laughs> and I'm sure eventually, yeah, that kind of like convinces you that this is something that you can keep doing. Um, mm -hmm. is, are, are there ebbs and flows to it? I'm assuming that maybe during COVID, was there a spike? Was there a dip? Do you see, I mean, do you personally have like a limit of how many people you see at one time or? Um... I, I, I do sort of have to keep a constant eye on it. And um, I'm always walking a fine line um, between, you know, how much can I take on? And, and I just, I always like to know where the edge is like, okay, mm -hmm. I can handle that. I can handle that. I can handle that. <laughs> oh, I've got too much. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is something I, I, I constantly have to manage. Um, I don't know if there's, there's, you know, peaks and valleys to it. I, I tend to see more of an interest in the new year. I don't know the first couple of months of, of 2020, 2021, 2022. That's when I seem to get a lot of requests. I don't know. People are just really? uh, acting on resolutions or, yeah. or what, but um, yeah, it picks up in January, February, March. I don't, I can't explain it. <laughs> and now thinking to your current job, Red River College, because we are, mm -hmm. I guess, I don't know what the, the tree is, if we're cousins, if we're siblings, but I work at a trades college, you work at a trades college. Can you mm -hmm. just describe a little bit about what you do at Red River? Yeah, yeah. So um, after those three years or so at the Y, I uh, I missed the frontline work and uh, an opportunity to to move over to Red River had presented itself, and so I, I applied and, and was fortunate enough to be selected for that job. Um, basically, at the college, my role is an employment advisor. So we support uh, students across all academic programs across all campuses with their career development needs. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings and, and coaching sessions. Um, we also support faculty with in-class presentations and um, any sort of career development materials that they might be covering in class. We can come in and, and in supplement or enhance it. Um, and then certainly working with industry and employer partners to you know, connect them with student talent uh, coming out of the college. So mm -hmm. those are our three main areas of focus, students, faculty, and employer partners. Wow. And I guess my question, because I know MITT, we do have, uh, you know, a smaller amount 
of programs for you? Do you see students from every single program or does it get split up between you and your team or how does that work? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're certainly all welcome and, and I would encourage them to meet with an employment <laughs> advisor at least once during their time at, at the college. Yeah. Um, we, I, I definitely see some from, I, like the majority of students probably come from the business administration programs or the um, uh, computer education programs. I like working with, with all the programs, you know, I, I love presenting to the um, science lab techs or the what else is some, some good ones? All of the trades ones are always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just fun to, you know, explore a, a career that I, I don't get to talk about all that often. <laughs> yeah. Because that's always my fascination is because, you know, working at a university, you might have to see students who are in the first year, second year, third year, any sort of stage in their academic career uh, at a place like Red River where the, the, the breadth of programming is so large, you might have to see so many different people from so many different uh, areas. Have you ever looked back on your career and just thought about, because you've been at, you know, Manitoba Start, you've been at the mm -hmm. Y, you've been, you know, presenting to the universities, uh, you have your own business, you're at a trades college. Is it interesting to think about all those different areas that you've been in? It just seems uh, so fascinating to think that you've kind of sampled it all there. I don't know if you've ever reflected on that. I I do. And it, it's always, it's always in a little bit odd to, to either think about it or hear it presented back to you that way because you know if 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 i was gonna provide coaching advice to someone who wanted to be successful in career development i would i would say you know like get some experience with yeah. all these different client bases whether it's newcomers or entrepreneurs or students um you know th that variety will really make you a solid coach and mm -hmm. so if I could go back 20 years and, and plan it out, yeah, maybe that's what it would look like. But it is incredibly, you know, surreal that now I'm in a position to be giving back to, to students and, and young professionals or, you know, career changers. Um, because I was that student. I was, I was the confused, lost, frustrated mm -hmm. student who didn't know what he wanted to do with his career. Yeah. And so the fact that I'm in this position now giving advice to, to so many people on so many different levels, it's, it's incredibly rewarding, but sometimes I just look at it and shake my head and say, how did I end up here? <laughs> how did it happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm yeah, looking at the really. list that I've created for myself of all the places you've been. It's like you've, you've basically touched every area of this profession, which is pretty fascinating. Um, and I guess to your point there, thinking about your story, would you ever recommend to somebody else or have you ever recommended to somebody else to do what you do in terms of pausing what they're doing? And I know you kind of took it even a step further and you left, you got on a mm -hmm. plane and got out of here. I don't know if you've ever would say to somebody, you need to you know, leave the country for a decade. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if that advice has ever cropped up, but yeah, that yeah, worked for I, you. Have you ever saw that in someone else or have you ever even thought of like maybe somebody else could benefit from what I did there? What I think for me, I mean, what worked for me, I don't expect to work for everybody else. Um, I don't know if I would ever necessarily recommend or push someone to take a break, but I mean, if somebody was thinking about it, I would certainly be open to telling them my experiences, um, what I gained from it and what other challenges it presented. I mean, it, it, it was a trade-off, right? I mean, yes, I grew as a person, I saw the world, um, got to experience all these different cultures and, and things like that, which was, which was great. But then I was back in school in my late twenties, early thirties. 
And when I moved back to Canada, I had no network. I had to completely rebuild a network. Uh, mm -hmm. All of my experience was international, which meant it didn't get recognized by local employers as much. So th there were a lot of additional challenges that it brought on too. And after hearing all that, if they still thought it was a good idea, then yeah, I'm, I'd be all for it. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I would just want to present the full picture to someone. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and Matt, if, if anybody ever thought about getting into this profession, they want to do what you do, what would be your advice to them? How is the, how is the best way to approach this situation? What's the best first steps to take to get into this field? Well, if I, if I look at what I did and, and what worked for me, I would say start with some really solid foundational training. There, there are still, uh, unfortunately, the course at U of W isn't offered anymore, but there are still some really good um, career development practitioner programs in Canada. Um, so start there. Um, talk to people in the field. Our, our field is incredibly open and generous with their time and with their information. So, you know, conduct those information interviews, ask questions to get a sense because there's, there's so many little, you know, niches and pockets to career development that you could explore and experiment in. And maybe that would be the third tip would be to, you know, to try something out, um, see what, what piques your interest. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it was good to learn more about your uh, journey. Cause again, I only knew you through the presentations and the facilitation you've done throughout the years and really impressed with your work. So, uh, but yeah, it was a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Before you leave, your whole life's been leading up to this moment. It's impossible trivia time. So ready. Because <laughs> we in career, we don't have all the answers, but we're always working towards them. Uh, are you ready for your impossible trivia question, Matt? Hit me. Okay. Are you a professional wrestling fan by any chance? I used to be. Used to be. Okay. Time to go in the deep recesses of your mind here. So. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania, it's the biggest wrestling event every year. And the longest WrestleMania match ever was between Bret the Hitman Hart, good Canadian boy, uh, and Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, not a Canadian boy. Okay. This, ma this match happened at WrestleMania 12. Matthew, your impossible trivia question. How long was this WrestleMania match? Okay. I go with six hours and 12 <laughs> minutes. In a three-hour three event, they just completely went over time. Sure. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the official time was one hour, one minute, yeah. and fifty six seconds. They wrestled for. Really? You want to guess who came out on top? Bonus points. I'm gonna go with Brett. Oh, it was Sean. Oh, no, you completely the failed. Heartbreak kid. <laughs> He's done it again. Um, but again, thank you so much, Matthew, and uh, thanks again for coming on the show. And have a great rest of your evening. Thanks. It was a real, real fun, David. Okay. Thank you. For more information on MACD, including professional development, conferences, and other opportunities, please visit our website at www.macd-mb.org.